I want to move into my sermon, and I thought, hey, you know, as I'm reading 1 Timothy chapter 4, um, and the more I read 1 Timothy chapter 4, one thing really just came out to me, and this line has stuck with me and cannot leave my, my, my thought ever since I, I've been going through 1 Timothy chapter 4, because what it really encapsulates is really what SIBKL believe in, and we have a tagline in this church, which is... Very good. So I thought today the sermon would be how to fly high and last long. All right. So it's really good. You know, now on hindsight, I should have wore a shirt, fly high and last long. But, you know, I really should have, but uh, totally forgot about it. But um, in this, in SIBKL, we have a saying. So if you don't know it, you're a visitor here. Welcome to SIBKL. A saying in this church is fly high and last long. And today, how do we fly high and last long? You know, like an eagle, how do you get off, um, 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 fly high, and then how, you, how do you last long? And you want to you wanna fly for long. You don't want to fly high and then fall to the ground in the next minute, right? So I'm going to read the whole chapter of 1 Timothy 4. I'm going to read the first two slides. And then the third slide onwards, I will invite you to read it together with me because I want to talk about the first two slides. All right. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods. So here's where I want to go. If you ever find any teaching that forbids you to get married, all right, so in SIBKL, you are free to get married as long as it's married under God and follow God's honoring laws and everything. So you're free to marry. Nobody forbids you to marry and in order to abstain from certain foods. So, you know, of course, in the end times, there's going to be false doctrines. So here in SIBKL, there is a difference between an order to abstain from food and fast and pray. Is that okay? So fast and pray is something biblical. Fast and pray is something that we believe in in this church. Fasting and praying is just abstinence for a certain period of time to draw nearer to God so that we can, you know, uh, uh, be nearer to God. But this is a slightly different. An abstinence of a certain type of food at the end times when false prophets and false people try to preach that to you is complete abstinence because they believe either the food is unholy or they believe that you have to live a certain way to earn God's salvation or they believe that you have to um, live a certain lifestyle because that is what God, God wants. So that's not what we believe in, but we do believe in fasting and praying. And in that fasting and praying, we believe in the abstinence of a of certain kind of food for a little while. Let me continue which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So we got to know what the truth is um, here. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith of the good teaching that you have followed. And here on. I would like and invite everybody to read with me. Three, two, one, go. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. 
Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Amen. How to fly and last long. And I, you know, I thought, um, I'm not too sure maybe in the earlier days of SIVKL, that we preached on what is flying high and what is lasting long, um, and how to fly high and last long. And I really think, I'm not too sure whether this whole saying came from this passage, but the more I read this passage, I'm convinced the saying has to come from this passage. So I have three points, how to fly high and how to last long. Point number one, maybe my favorite point, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. You know, um, there's a you know, you see, the book of Timothy is Paul, um, being an, a much older man, uh, was talking to one of his spiritual sons, which is Timothy, and Timothy was in charge or charged to look after the church of Ephesus, one of the biggest church. Uh, in the world at that time. And Timothy, being a very young boy, had to go into one of the bigger churches. And the bigger, ch bigger churches was dabbling in a lot of debate about godless myths and old wives' tales. So Paul had to instruct Timothy, don't have nothing to do. So as I was reading this uh, portion of scripture, I, had, I googled something very specific. I could not find an answer. Uh, um, so if any of you can find the answer, you are free to text me because I would really love, love to know the answer to this question. I open up my computer, turn on Google, and I type this in. Why is it called old wives' tales, not old husband tales? I was very curious. I mean, I'm still very curious. I don't have an answer to this. I was, I was you know, I, was, I, I thought, you know, yeah, why, why is it called Old Wives' Tales? And then I Googled something else. Why is it called Old Wives' Tales, not Old Single Women Tales? You know, is there a reason, like, um, did wives talk more? Uh, uh, yes, Christine is like, yes, wives talk more. Um, so, okay, maybe that's true. Maybe that's why it's called Old Wives' uh, Tales. Who knows? But um, the saying struck. And, and very interestingly, one of the earliest origins of this phrase, old wives' tale, actually came come from 1 Timothy chapter 4. When the Bible was written, um, this was translated from Greek to English, old wives' tale. So I want to explain right now, by the way, yeah, if you can find an answer, why wives not husband, please let me know. You know, why, why girls not guys, also please let me know. Just so you know, I think guys can be pretty pretty gossipy too, you know, I think so, no, Justin, no, Justin's like, no, okay, don't throw guys under the bus, no, we men are strong, we men, we men talk shop, okay, uh, godless myths, you know, I just, I just, let's just have fun in the house of God a little bit, a little bit, I want to just enlighten everybody, what are the few Jewish godless myths and old wives' tales that, that they are dabbling with, and what has it got to do with us now in this day and age? See, one of the godless myths that the church of Ephesus was talking about is about, there are many, many things, okay, so there's a long list of it, but I just, I just picked one because I, I found this one to be quite interesting. They were talking about the heritage of the angel Gadriel. How many of you know about the story of the angel Gadriel? 
Gadriel or Gadriel? You know? You don't know? Today, today you shall know. All right? But please bear in mind as I start this story, it's a myth. Okay, myth, all right? Not true story. So in Jewish custom, what they believe is they believe that the, the snake tempted Eve. Remember, we all know that story, right? The snake tempted Eve, right? So we know that as the snake tempted Eve, we all know the snake to be? All right, let's turn to Genesis chapter 6 uh, or Genesis chapter 1, uh, 2 and 3. Let's read through. Okay, we all know the snake to be Satan. We know the snake to be the, the deceiver, the liar, Satan himself, tempted Eve, right? Okay, so that's what we know um, in this Bible-based church for those watching online. Don't worry, they all got it right. They all got it right. Um, but in Jewish myths, they were wondering um, whether this is true and they were trying to put positions of hierarchy to the angels. So we all know Lucifer as an angel of light, the father of lies, uh, but he's an angel. See, he's not God. I just need you, everybody to remember that Satan is not God. Satan is an angel, a fallen angel. So he is most definitely not as powerful or nowhere near equal to power of God. So when Angel Gadriel was discussed, they put this myth to believe that Angel Gadriel was the one who is the snake who tempted Eve. And Angel Gadriel was the one of the fallen angels, one of the top lieutenants of the fallen angels to come to earth and procreate with the women on earth to give birth to the... Nephilims in Genesis uh, chapter 6. And uh, because they were speculating how does a Nephilim come about? What does a Nephilim look like? The, the giants of men of old times, right? Um, so they were debating, uh, uh, is this true? Is this not true? They were looking through the book of Daniel, book of Ezekiel, book of Revelations. But I want to assure all of you right now, there is nothing found in Scripture about this angel Gabriel and let's not dabble in these myths. But this is one of, the, one of the reasons why the church of Ephesus was so bogged down in these discussions and this debate about things that don't matter. Let me give you another one, old wives' tale. That's a Jewish old wives' tale. Um, how many of you, um, like me, um, you, you remember the musical The Fiddler on the Roof? You know, yes, there's some hands. Yes, I'm not alone in this place. Hallelujah. All right, so a very, very slim minority here remembers the, the, the musical Fiddle on the Roof. You should, you should watch it. You should go and watch the, that musical. It's a really good musical because it's about um, a Jewish community in Russia and it's about the time of the pogroms where the, the Russian chased Jews out and then it made a musical out of it. It's, be it's beautiful. Go and watch it. But in the musical, if you remember, for those who raised their hands, all right, you remember that there was a mother and in the mother in the musical, whenever somebody in the family or friends talk about something bad, like are the Russians coming? Are they going to chase us out of the village? Are our village going to burn down? Are we going to starve to death? Whenever the mother will do something very specific, what would she do? Anybody remember? But the mother would take the, her hands, put it in this symbol, and she would spit on it three times. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. Right? So, are the Russians coming to take over our village? Do, do, do. Don't say that. Uh, 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 are we going to starve to death because we're chased out of our home? Do, do, do. Don't say that. And we have something in equivalency in our Asian culture because when somebody says something bad we don't like, we say, Hallelujah. <laughs> so, we're Asians, not Jewish, right? <laughs> yes. So, we, we, you know, we, we say these things and these things just comes out very naturally from us, right? Um, so, I want to explain in Old Wives Tales why Jewish women would do this and spit because they believe that number three uh, would signify something, something, something good, like the Trinity, right? The Trinity has power. So, what they do is they put a number three. So, number three has, has significance and power to it to chase off the evil, bad luck or whatever it may be. They will spit three times. Why would they spit three times? Because they believe in, in the New Testament or, uh, when Jesus came, um, they, he, he would take the spit, all right? He spit on his hands and then he'd pray and then he would slap it on somebody's eyes. 
and then he could, was healed, right? From blindness, so they believe there's power in a spit. Uh, so what they'll do is they'll spit and to chase away the bad luck. Uh, uh, so I'm very glad in Asian cultures we don't believe in spit or we just say a word which is, which is, which is choy, right? But I want to ask you a question. Do you think the word choy wields you heavenly power to then cancel out the curse of whatever curse or bad luck that, it, that is said to you? Do, do you really think deep down in your soul and your spirit as newborn believers, Christian, that the word choy wields heavenly power to change anything or any course of nature in this life? But we still say it, right? So at the end of the day, Jewish old wives' tales can, all, you know, can very frequently be carried forward to Christian superstition. You want me to go into more Christian superstition? Okay, let's go into more. How many of us, don't raise your hands, um, when you see a ladder being propped up against a wall, you immediately go, I cannot walk under it. Do you? No, the, the answer is no. You don't. <laughs> the answer is no. But I tell you why. So there is a prevalent superstition, and it started with Christians, okay? It started with Christians back in the um, early years of I don't know when. Um, so when you see a ladder, they don't walk under the ladder. But do you know why? Have anybody asked why? One of the very early beliefs is that um, on the cross, when Jesus, we know Jesus died on the cross, right? Okay. Yes, yes. Are we okay? Like, the, who is the snake? You can, you can talk to me in this. There's no judgment here. No condemnation. We know Jesus died on the cross, right? Yes, hallelujah. So when Jesus died on the cross, um, in order to, because it's really high up, so in order for the Roman soldiers to nail the, the thing on his, on, on, on the king of the Jews, the plaque, and to nail the things on his arm, um, the, the, the Romans had to put up a ladder. So they would rest a ladder upon that cross. And that's where the superstition starts. When they rest a ladder on that cross, uh, the ancient Christians believe that the ladder and the cross would form a beautiful triangle which forms a beautiful trinity. So the moment you walk under the trinity and you pass through the trinity, you are breaking the good luck and therefore black luck will happen to you. Is that okay? That's Christian superstition. I'll give you one more. Is it good? Do, you, do we believe that walking under a ladder wields the power of hell to, in order to curse you for bad luck? I don't know. Let, let's, let's, let's study one more. Let's study. Just in case you're not sure, let's study one more. When we're sitting around a table, okay, and somebody happens to mention something that is, well, something along to do with bad luck or something, or something not so good or something of a misfortune, all right, what do we normally say? Touch wood. Hallelujah, you know it. <laughs> we would normally knock on wood, right? Or we would normally say touch wood. And in that moment, in the next three seconds, there is a frenzy that comes up within our spirit to look for wood. We got to actually touch the wood. So if it's a metal table or a plastic chest, we suddenly start panicking, right? We, start, we have to touch wood. And we'll go and find touch wood or whatever. And, or, or some of us, we will knock on wood. And when we knock on wood, how many times do we knock? Wow, this is like... Okay. These type of things you know. I ask you who is the snake, you don't answer me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, we need to start Bible classes here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, but do you know why? Have you ever asked yourself why um, you have to touch, touch wood or you knock on wood? Have you asked yourself why? Okay, there's two beliefs. I'll tell you why. There's two beliefs, all right? Number one is in ancient times, they believe uh, in Nordic Christian mythology, they believe that trees... Um, will uh, are inhabited by spirits. 
mostly evil spirits. They will inhabit the trees. But by the way, these are old wives' tales. This is not scriptural truth. Just in case you think this is my sermon, it's not. It's an illustration, okay? There's a tree inhabited by evil spirits. So whenever somebody, back, 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 back then, of course, way back then, there are trees all around. It's not concrete jungle. It's actual jungle. Uh, all right? When somebody says something bad or brings in some bad luck, what they'll do is they'll go to the tree and they'll knock on the tree th three times. They'll knock on the tree three times. Why would they knock on the trees? Because they believe by knocking on the trees, it will be loud enough to cover the ears of the evil spirits so they do not hear the bad luck, so they do not give you that bad luck. Does that make sense? Is that okay? All right. Do we as Christians still want to knock on wood three times? All right, we don't believe it, right? Why do you think people then, there's a difference, there's a variation. Knock three times and then there's touch wood, all right? What's touch wood? Touch wood, back then, uh, they believed that the cross, we know that Jesus died on the cross, right? Yes. So we know the cross is made out of wood, all right? So whenever, whenever time somebody says bad, bad things or whatever it may be or some misfortune, they will have to touch wood because they believe by touching wood, they touch the cross of Jesus that will give them the power to ward off evil spirits. Hallelujah. Now I want to ask, and all these things that we do in our daily lives, the choy and the touch wood and the walk under the ladder and the black hats and the Friday the 13th, do you think whatever we do wields the power of heaven to change the course of nature because we touch an oak tree wood? It doesn't, right? But yet, somehow, we do it. We believe in it. Somehow, it just, it's like a nature. We do it. So when I, when I was a cell leader eons ago, about more than a decade ago, I would always tell uh, myself, you know, at the end of the day, we as Christians, we don't believe in these things and we shouldn't perpetrate these things because it, it stems from superstitious background. But what we should do instead, if you really want to vest the power of heaven, vested in me by the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if you really want the power of heaven to ward off whatever bad things that you've just said, the usual thing we do is, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that statement. Will that hold some, some sort of power? I will believe so, invoking the name of Jesus would. And therefore, have nothing to do, and that's why Paul says, have nothing to do with all these godless myths and old wives' tales, because at the end of the day, the moment we participate in it, it gives that thing, that activity, power, and it gives that thing power over us. And therefore, don't have anything to do with it have nothing to do with all these Christian superstitions, but instead, and here is where Paul continues, rather, rather train yourself in godliness. Rather train yourself in godliness. That's my second point. See, my first point is, how do we fly high and last long? You know, if you imagine yourself as an eagle, the word here is imagine, not identify, okay? Imagine you are an eagle. Okay, it's okay. You didn't get it. That's fine. It's all good, which means that you are a holy people. All right? Imagine yourself as an eagle, and before you want to take flight, I truly believe my first point is when you want to fly high, you're going to have to take flight. 
But before you take flight, the enemy will always want to come against your life with either words or myths or tales or uh, discouragement or criticisms that you cannot even, you lose your ability to even take flight because you're so paralyzed in where you are. And sometimes we as Christians, we're so paralyzed in where we are because we are, uh, uh, we are delving into our negativity, we're delving into our low self-esteem, we're delving into our criticizing ourselves or other people have criticized us, we're delving into our discouragement. And some of us here, we've been Christians for the longest of time, but we have never taken flight. We have never flew and received and walked in the destiny and the calling that God has given us because we are so busy being paralyzed by the things of this world. So the first point is, have nothing to do with these things. Put these things behind you because number two, when you want to take flight and fly high, you need to train in godliness. How do I get that? I mean, more, where did I get that? I get it from this verse. Have nothing to do. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full attention. Train yourself in godliness. You see, nobody liked the word train. Am I right? Yeah, okay, good. No, thank you. Nobody likes the word train. You know, um, <clears throat> I don't know, okay, I know what the answer of the last service was, but in this service, I want to ask, how many of us here, we spend a lot of our time, our effort, and our money to do physical workouts? Whether it is, yeah, yeah, Chris, no, Christine's going to raise her hands. Christine's the first one. She raised her hands already. You can't, you can't, you can't hold it back. Anybody join? No, no shame, all right? Like, you would go to Zumba, you will go to, you have personal trainers, you will go to Pilates. I don't know, I, I don't know all these terminologies, all right? My wife is way better than me, all right? But you would spend money, you would spend time, you would research the supplements, you would research what to eat in order to have physical workouts. No shame, raise your hands. No shame. Okay, very good. There's, there's quite a few of you. That's very, by the way, I was one of them as well, all right? But the keyword here is was, okay? But I, I don't have time anymore. Um, but I used to do it a lot. You know, so when, when I was younger, um, like way younger, like, like way, way, like, 20, like 17 to 25, I used to be a workout buff. So I used, I used, to, I used to go to the gym a lot. So um, <clears throat> as you can tell, right? I said, I used to get, no, you can't tell. You can't tell. Nothing, nothing remains of my gym days. Nothing, nothing really remains. So I used to be really buff. I used to, uh, I used to be filled in muscle. I would, I would eat chicken breast and I would eat 10 eggs and I would, you know, to make sure I'm, I'm beefed, I'm buffed up. I go, six packs is no longer my goal. I, eight packs is my goal. I need to have eight packs. I need to do sit-ups. I can do sit-ups, 5,000 sit-ups in a day. You know, you have to hit that amount. And I used to have a friend that says, no, he is a personal trainer, he does 10,000 sit-ups in a day, so I go 5,000 is not enough, I got to hit 10,000, so I go every month, I will go from 5,000 to 6,000 to 7,000 to 8,000 to 10,000, I would really, really work out. And one day, as, as I as a born-again believer, as I found Jesus Christ, came to church, um, and then um, I saw all the holy men in worship, you know, all the godly men in worship, okay, man, I, at that time, I was looking at the guys, not so much the girls, okay, uh, godly men in worship, and they would raise their hands. And they would raise their hands for five songs in a row because they're holy people in worship. And, and they, they have the stamina and, and the endurance to raise their hands five songs in a row. But for me at that time, even though I work out so much, I could only do at least half a song. I could hit half a song. So one of the reasons that motivated me even more to work out was that I told God that I really want to work out more to develop my shoulder muscles. <laughs> so that 
I can also lift my hands in worship. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll do lateral press. I'll, you know, I'll go, I go from, uh, I got to do the 15 kilos, you know, and then that's strength so I can bulk up. Then I do the five kilos uh, uh, 100 times so that it's not, it's not just bulk, but it's also, you know, uh, uh, strength and endurance. And I would say, God, I'm, I'm such a holy man because I really want to lift my hands in worship longer to praise and worship your name. And then I remember in that, in that worship, after, after a few months of me working out, by the way, it doesn't really work. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really work. Um, not, it doesn't work that way. But after a while, I, I talked to God, and God spoke to me and says, God, and I, I, I says, Isaac, um, you can lift your hands for a minute or an hour, or you can lift your hands for one whole month in praise to me. But I'm not so much interested in the length I'm more interested in the heart. Where is the godliness in your heart? It's more important to me what's in your heart than your posture of worship. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm not against any posture of worship. Worship is worship, and it's great. If you can lift your hands for five songs in a row, you have my respect. Is it okay? I would do it for half a song. Is that okay? You can do it for five songs. You have my respect. Nothing wrong with that, but God has said, He's more interested in the godliness of your heart. You see, I want to be very clear what this verse means. He says, for physical training is of some value. So when I, when I became a pastor, I'm not trying to tell everybody, don't work out. So those who raise their hands, keep at it, keep going, is a good thing. It's a very, very good thing to be fit and healthy because I'm also convicted. As I became a pastor, one thing God spoke to me is that God says, you're going to be in this for the long haul, so you're going to have to look after your health. You cannot just eat anything you want. You cannot consume anything you want and not work out and expect to live till 100. You're going to have to look after your health. So looking after your health is a very important thing. But the point of this passage is looking after your health will only reap you a benefit of this much on the scale of eternity. You can be the most buff. You can be Arnold Schwarzenegger if you want. You can be Sylvester Stallone in the peak and the prime of his life if you want. But if you do not invest in your godliness, then at the end of the day, when all of us, no matter how fit, no matter how healthy, breathe our last breath and see God again, God says, where is your godliness within you? Because when you train in godliness, it reaps an eternal reward. Training physically will reap you a very temporary reward in this life. But training in godliness will reap you an eternal reward. And it is more important that we train in godliness to reap an eternal reward. For all of us here, I want to implore that we continue to train in our godliness. I want to, and later on, I'll explain what godliness is, but to keep training. You see, nobody likes to work out unless you are a very funny person like me, all right, I, I, for very funny reasons like for worship, all right, that's probably my inspiration to work out, right? But nobody here naturally want to work out. Nobody here naturally want to ride a bike. Um, Pastor Samkyong's not here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Pastor Samkyong as a little bit. Pastor Samkyong, he, he cycles, and he's, he's really fit, and I respect him for that. He cycles, and he picked it up at MCO. And I remember one time, um, he invited me to cycle with him, and I said, Pastor Samkyong, um, thank you so much for the invitation. I really appreciate the invitation, but I, I have my own form of workout now. 
the Lord has given me two sons, all right? I, I don't have the strength to even carry my bicycle out of the house, let alone cycle to Putrajaya with you. Is that okay? Let my sons uh, stop harassing me for a little while first. Uh, um, so that's my form of workout now that I'm a, I'm a father. But really respect to him uh, as we went for our, uh, our SBO retreat in Fraser's Hill. I remember he turned to me and he said, you know, one of my dreams one of my dreams, and I thought, wow, you've got, you've got dreams, let's, let's hear it. I want to hear your dreams. Like, let's talk about the kingdom of God. Let's preach. And he says, one of my dreams is to cycle from my house to Fraser's Hill and back. <laughs> and I looked at him and I went, I will pray for you. <laughs> May the Lord bless you very much. <laughs> but if, you're, if this is an invitation... <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. But respect, I was like, wow. No, by the way, that's a really good dream. I mean, that's a healthy dream. That's a good dream. And one day when he does it, you know, he should commemorate it in a picture or whatsoever. Um, it's a really good thing. But I think for us uh, uh, as, as, as humans, uh, I, uh, he's superhuman to me, for us as human beings, normal human beings, having a physical workout is good. So keep at it. Keep healthy and be healthy to be a part of the kingdom of God. But the imploration today is, Train in your godliness. Reap eternal rewards. Because no matter how beefed up you are, when you enter the pearly gates, you cannot flex your bicep to get into heaven. Let's put it that way. That is not your passport to get into your heaven. You cannot flex your tricep and show the six-pack to get into heaven. I guarantee you that is not your passport into heaven. But what is your passport into heaven? Godliness. And I want to explain what is godliness very soon. But flying high, you see, when an eagle flies and he reaches the peak of his, of his flight, he just spreads out his wings and he soars. But in order for an eagle to get to the pinnacle of his flight, the eagle is going to need to flap its wings. And flapping our wings is not easy. And therefore, when we want to train in godliness, I want to ask, if you did participate in a 40-day fast and pray one month ago, if you were part of it, then I want to implore to you, do not stop. Do not give up. Keep up your rhythms and your training and your workout in your spirituality. You may, be a, you may decrease in your intensity, but you still need to keep up in your spirituality. If in the 40 days you read one chapter a day, that's good. Now, you may not need to read one chapter a day, but you should still keep your rhythm of reading Scripture, maybe half a chapter a day. But the point is not the length of the chapter you read. The point is that you keep working out. Because we all know, if you work out for six months very intensely every day, and you stop for the next two weeks, you are going to need to start again. Okay, maybe two weeks is too, too, too short, but one month or two months, you are going to need to start again. You see, Scripture says that God wants to bring you from glory to glory to glory. It means that there is a progression. It means that there is an increase in your season and an increase in your glory. But what happens when you work out and you train for the 40 days and then you stop for literally 11 months until the next year, 40 days, and you start again. You go from glory in the 40 days, and then in 11 months, you reverse. You go back to zero. And then the next 40 days, we, we pump you up, you go from another step of glory, 
and then the next 11 months, you take another step back and you reverse down to zero. So if, if Scripture was to depict our normal human Christian cycle, it would say this, God wants you to go from glory, then you take a, you take a back seat, and then you go back down to zero, and then God will give you that glory again, and then you rewind, glory, and you rewind, and glory, and you ask yourself, why can't I go to the next level of intimacy with Jesus? Because we take a step back because we rewind, because we don't train ourselves in godliness, because we don't work out our spirituality enough. And that's why in this church, we are uncompromising in our prayer altars. Come. If you have attended prayer altars every, once a week, every week for the 40 days, don't stop now just because you're no longer in the 40 days. Don't stop now. Keep on going because in that workout trains your spirituality. If you've started reading a scripture, don't stop now. If you're committed to physical church, keep on coming. And this is what I said two years ago um, during the lockdown on why it's so important to come to on-site church because it is a commitment that we have given God to separate two hours of our lives for normal human beings, for young parents, we separate four hours of our lives uh, to come to church. Okay, young parents, you didn't get that? No? You, you don't take two hours to prepare your kids? Okay, young parents are like, yes. You don't take two hours to prepare your kids to come to church? Okay, just me? Just me? Holy people, teach me how you do it. Teach me how you get your kids out of the door. Okay, but we, <laughs> the point is, I, well, I'm getting there. The point is, you commit two hours of your week as holy unto God to come to church, a holy church, to worship a holy God. And that is called your training in godliness. That is called you are constantly doing it. My commitment to God as my workout of my spirituality. And that's why in this church, we're uncompromising of cell and we're uncompromising of serving. And I implore you, get a cell. Because what is so important of a cell? Sometimes people tell me, oh, I don't like this cell leader. I don't like this cell location. I can't understand this cell agenda or cell venue. And I always say, the point of a cell is not in the leader or the venue or the agenda or whatever it may be in that cell. The point of your cell is to always get a rhythm of commitment to God so that we are training ourselves up in godliness and we do not fall away from the community of believers in Christ. It is a training. Why do we serve in church? Why do we serve on the stage or on the floor or wherever it may be? Because it is a commitment that we have given God to train ourselves up in godliness. The training is very important. Because if you do not train, you cannot take flight. If you ask an obese person who is 75 years old to climb Mount Everest, you're asking the impossible to do the impossible. But if you ask an obese 75-year-old person to climb Mount Everest but train for the next five years, in working out, in losing weight, in eating healthy, I believe it's doable. I don't know, like, like okay, you, tr you work out buffs, you may correct me, but I believe it's doable. I believe it's doable. I believe we can do it. So no matter the state of your spirituality right now, if you are dormant, if you are asleep, if you're not excited, here I am to implore you, train, work out, because it will reap you an eternal reward that you will enjoy for all eternity with Jesus Christ. It will not be in vain as the physical workout will be in vain. But uh, 
spiritual workout will reap you an eternal reward. And that's why we do what we do. But what is godliness? What does it mean to train in godliness? So what is godliness? And I want to sum up now the rest of 1 Timothy 4. Because the moment you fly high and you train, please don't reverse. Please, in, Christ, in, your, in your Christian lingo, there should not be an R drive stick. There should not be a reverse gear. At most, you want is a neutral gear to cruise you on certain seasons of your life, but you always want a D drive stick, which is a drive. You want gear one, gear two, gear three, gear four, gear five, and you will keep moving on because God has a plan for you. God has a plan to bring you from glory to glory, but He cannot bring you to the next season if you keep reversing. You know, uh, do I have time? Short story um, about why I believe in this so much is because in the last 40 days, as you may already know, as some of you remembered, that I decided to abstain from coffee, all right? Um, um, and after the 40 days, I told God that there is really no point me abstaining for 40 days and then going back to coffee for 11 months, getting addicted to coffee because I was very addicted to coffee. And then this year's 40 days, abstain one more time and bring myself through all that torture and suffering about abstaining coffee, the complaining, the grumpiness and the mood swings because I don't have coffee um, anymore. So I told God, no, I want to continue because my abstinence of coffee will bring me to the next level of intimacy with you. And then when it comes to these 40 days, I went, okay, God, I'm addicted to one more thing. So I don't know what I'm going to fast next 40 days because I'm giving up all my addictions. Um, I'm addicted to one more thing. And if you know me very well, you will know what I'm addicted to. Coke. All right. The drink, not the powder. All right. Um, just so you, just to be clear. Just to be clear, um, never taken Coke in my life. The powder, not the drink. But I drink it all the time. The drink, not the powder. All right? So I'm addicted to Coke. I love the, the, the sugar. I love the rush. It has caffeine in it. I, I love how it makes me feel. I got to take like one Coke a day. And I know it's unhealthy and everything. And this 40 days, I told God, I got to give up my addiction for you because you're more important to me than the Coke. So when the 40 days was, was over um, and I was sitting down with some friends, um, of course, of course, my friends would need to order a a cold icy coke and open it in front of me right so when you open the coke it would sound like very good all right so to me to me that sound is more tempting than Potiphar's wife is that okay so Potiphar's wife could do what she want to do but the moment you hear the pssst, all right you, Potiphar's wife, you stand aside. That is much more tempting compared to... This is a joke, by the way, just in case. It's not a real-life example. It's just a joke, okay? Uh, just in case you think, wow, and don't call Pastor Kim after this, all right? Just, it's just a joke. Um, so I was opening, and then I told God, God, if I, again, if I go back to Coke, I'll be addicted for the next 11 months. I love Coke so much. And then the next 40 days, I'm going to have to fast it all over again. And that has been my life cycle for the longest of time. So I told God, I'm going to stop. And then I realized this year after the 40 days that God says, this is your spiritual walk to take you from glory to glory to glory. This is your training. For no Christian starts perfect, but every Christian will end perfect when we are together with Him again. No Christian will start perfect, but we will end perfect when we are together with Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to go from glory to glory. So if you read, if you're praying, if you, whatever you're doing in your spiritual exercise, don't stop. Don't give up. 
Don't reverse because you're going to need to start all over again. And every year, it's a painful exercise. Keep on going from glory to glory. Amen? Amen. But what is godliness? I take it from this portion of Scripture. And let me finish in five minutes. Godliness to Paul, from Paul, to Luke, uh, to Paul to Timothy is this. Number one, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. But instead, practice good speech, good conduct, love, faith, and purity. So on and so forth. I want to rest on this for two more minutes, and then I want to continue with the rest. You see, when Paul said to Timothy, do not let anyone look down upon you because you are young, a lot of us, when we read that scripture, it is always about age. Because Timothy was probably in his early 30s at that time. So we always think it's the older generation that is to speak about the next generation. Don't worry, be secure in Christ because don't let anybody look down on you because of your age. But I'm here to say, it is, the age thing is there, but it is not because of his age that Timothy will not let anyone look down on him. It is not because of his age. You see, small is not strong, big is not strong, strong is strong. You could be a small, young Christian, or as, as I said, I remember last year I said this, young is not strong, old is not strong, strong is strong. You could be a young Christian, but you could still be strong. You could be a very old Christian for 60 years, but it does not mean you are strong. Because then Paul said, therefore, be good in your conduct your speech, your love, your faith, your purity. It is the maturity of the believer that makes one strong, not the age of the believer. You could be 12 years old, but filled with the Holy Ghost, but filled with the maturity of Christ, and you could preach better than the best preacher on earth because God is with you, and you could be a strong 12 years old, and you could be a 99-year-old person, a Christian for 99 years, but never once opened up the Bible, does not mean you are strong. Old is not strong. Young is not strong. Strong is strong. So the imploration here is, and the reason why Paul wrote this is, and what I want to tell you is, that in your life, no matter what age you are, there will always be the enemy and the world that will want to derail you from your purposes in God. They will want to rob you of your spirituality in God. You will face criticisms. You will face discouragements. You will face, who knows, gossip and bad-mouthing, even from Christians, who knows, you may face uh, disappointments in the church of God or in the workplace, whatever it may be. And Paul said to Timothy, you will face all this, but do not let them rob you of what God has placed in you that is your godliness. Do not let the discouragements and the criticisms of life rob you from the godliness that God wants to build in you. Do not let the world tear down what God is building up in your life. Guard your godliness with all that you have. Guard what God is doing in your life. Even if you're going through hell or high water, guard that within your life because that is what will keep you strong and that is what will make you last for a very long time in this world. And that's exactly what this verse means. Do not let anyone look down on you or rob you of your godliness because it's so easy in our life. You know, we could be running strong, running fast for Jesus. We could be reading our scripture and praying every day. But the moment, 
Maybe a leader in church say something discouraging to you. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's your boss that can say one thing that is discouraging to you and your whole world would crumble. And everything that you've done for 20 years, you throw it down the drain because you have allowed that one thing to affect your godliness for this lifetime. And we've heard of so many stories in the Christian world of leaders, pastors, preachers, running the very good race and at the 11th hour, fall from grace. Made a mistake. And it's very sad. You see, one of my prayers is not so much, God, what is... My, my prayer is always, God, here I am, send me, do with me whatever you want to do with me. You are my master, I'm your servant. That is one of my prayers. But one of my really intimate prayers in my quiet time is, God, let me run this race and don't let me fall. Let me finish this race. Because it's more important to me that I finish the race. It's not important to me on how great a preacher I am, how great a worshiper I am. It's not important to me how big this church can be. It's not important to me. All these things are what God will give and what God will bless. It's not up to me. But what's important to me, and I pray it's important to you, is that when we run this race, and at my 11th hour, before I see God again, I do not stumble and fall. I will finish this race. I will finish it strong. Because getting into heaven, eternity, is the goal of my life. Being with Jesus again is the goal of my life. The goal of my life is not to be a multi-billionaire, to be the best-looking person in the world, to be the best preacher. That is not the goal of my life. The goal of my life is to be with Jesus and to finish this race, to fight this good fight. Do not let anyone stumble you and block you from finishing this race. So if today you're going through a discouragement or a criticism or a disappointment, let it go. Don't let it stumble you from running this good race in Christ Jesus. And that is why Paul continued to say, read scripture. Devote yourself to the teaching and the preaching of the apostles and the pastors. Devote yourself to it. Practice your gifts. What are the gifts that God has given you? Practice it. Don't let it stumble and slide you over. Practice it. If it's gifts of hospitality, please, Practice your gifts because I guarantee you, I don't have that gift of hospitality. I will welcome you to church, but don't expect me to serve you a souffle. <laughs> you won't enjoy it much. Guarantee you. That's not my gift. If you have a gift of encouragement, please practice the gift of encouragement. Encourage somebody to come to church. If you have the gift of worship or, or lights or, or, or of ushering, whatever it may be, leadership, practice your gifts because the practicing of your gifts is you flying high and working out your spirituality. Then progress and mature. Watch your life and persevere. You know, my friends, like it or not, in the kingdom of God, there is a progression and a maturity of your faith that you cannot deny. You see, once I was here, but after 20 years of being a Christian, I'm still here, Something is wrong with your faith. It means God is not working in your life. Where is the Holy Spirit's conviction in your life? You see, when I was young, and with this testimony, let me end. You see, when I was young, I, uh, um, I swore a lot. I, I was a very foul-mouthed boy. And sometimes, forgive me, it, if I'm in a certain mood, it comes out once in a while. And I'm, you know, I'm still a work in progress, but, but I'm much better now. When I was young, one, every sentence that I have, it will be, it will be flowered very nicely with a rose and a lily and a, and a tulip with one swear word each each flower will represent a swear word whatever it may be to you alright 
every sentence because I thought it was cool. I thought it was gangster, right? To, to just swear so much. I, you know, I was young, all right? But as I received Jesus, Jesus said, everything from your mouth should be edifying unto me. And it was that verse that convicted me. Because what's wrong with swearing? Am I, am I hurting you, God? Am I hurting? I'm not hurting anybody. You know, I'm not swearing at you. I'm just using it, right? That's the justification that we use. But God says, no, that everything that comes out of your mouth be edifying unto Jesus. And that's the verse that convicted me to just clean and wash up my tongue. And I'm glad to say 10 years on, I don't think I swear anymore. And I don't have the proclivity. I don't have the temptation. I don't even have the desire to swear anymore. It doesn't, it does, it's, it's not in me. And when I look back at my 10 years journey with Christ or, or more, there is a progression. There is a maturity. And for me, it could be this. For you, it could be something else. Whatever it may be. But the point is, there is a maturity and a progression of your faith. And that's how you know that you have taken flight, that you're flying high, and you last very long. Because Jesus says, the moment He has transformed your life, watch it and persevere. Watch! Because the devil at any moment will want to tempt me to go back to my old lifestyle. God says, watch your life. Persevere. Last long. You fly high. You train and you take flight, you train, you work out your spirituality, church, and you last long. You finish this race. Because at the end of the day, no matter how old you are or how young you are, I pray that one day we will all worship together in heaven together. Amen? Amen? We will worship together in heaven. One day, one fine day, at the end of this life, that we can all say, I fought the good fight. I finished this race. And we hear, well done good and faithful servant. I pray that none of us, me especially, me included, will at the 11th hour stumble and fall and be disqualified from the race. No, no, never. Let us run this race. So how do we fly high and last long? Keep true. Work it out. Come to church. Work it out. And persevere in your faith. Amen, church. I want to pray for us all. Can I just invite you to stand? I want to pray. And then I want us to sing deeper in love, one thing I desire. But I want us all to just take stock of our lives. And if you take this Word of God seriously, just remember the things that could stumble you and just say, God, take it away. I don't want to be stumbled by this. I want to keep moving on. Or if you have a rhythm of spirituality, tell God, I want to continue. Do not let me stop my rhythm because I want to go from glory to glory. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I just want to thank you, Father God, and I just want to commit all our lives, my brothers and my sisters and my lives into your hands. Father Lord Jesus, do not let anything in this world stumble us and disqualify us from this race. Don't let anything, Father God, no temptation of uh, 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 money or, or women or men or, 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 or um, quarrels or fights, don't let any temptation of disappointments and offences disqualify us from this race. But Father Lord Jesus, let us keep our discipline 
our working out, Lord Jesus Christ, of our scripture reading, our worship, our prayer. Keep us going, Father God. Let us keep serving you with gladness and thanksgiving. When we're leaders, let us be leaders with gladness and thanksgiving in the kingdom of God. For this is my working out of my faith, the working out of my spirituality, so that we can last long, Father Lord Jesus, so that we can persevere in the faith, so that, Lord Jesus, we will never stumble and fall. So, Lord Jesus, I pray, Father God, that everyone here will fly high, that they will last long, that everyone here, Lord Jesus, will train themselves up in godliness because it would reap an eternal reward. So I thank you, God, that the one thing that I desire in my life is to love you more. In Jesus' name.